Hello everyone out there on the internet. My name is Charlie Keys and I pastor First Methodist Amarillo Campus. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I'm so glad that you've chosen to be a part of our online campus. You, you've picked a great day. Today we are completing our Messy Life Together series. So with that, uh, buckle up, grab your Bible and let's get started. Okay, our scripture for today's sermon is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. So I encourage you to turn there. I always encourage you to bring your Bible so that we're getting that practice of looking up the text, seeing it for ourselves, reading it, and, and really uh, trying to save it in our heart. So let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 14 together. And it says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. Now, I want to say I love doing the messy life together with the community of faith here at First Methodist Church. It's been a great time. We, we have a great community of faith, and I'm glad that you've chosen to be a part of it by being a part of our online campus. So some of us in this community are new. Some of us have been a part of this community for a long time. But either way, it's not always easy to be in a community of faith, but it is always good. It's actually hard for me to believe that it's been almost eight years. It'll be eight years in January since I've had the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at First Methodist Church. And it has been a privilege to be one of your pastors. We've been spending the past six weeks looking at the church in Corinth. It is really in a mess. It's, it's struggling with how conflict, how to walk through conflict and understanding how to do community. In this letter from Paul to the church, we really get to peek inside that mess that this church is in. And the reason Paul writes this letter to the church is that he had, he had planted this church. And the church was going through several issues and they were wrestling with how to resolve them. And Paul is writing what is truly a pastoral letter, meaning he's being a pastor. He's trying to address the problems that this church that he loves is dealing with, trying to help them get through this mess that they are in. So as we wrap up this series today, let's review some of the messy situations that the church has been going through. In week one, we started with messy wisdom. And we saw how many in the church were looking to the wisdom of the world for how they were to live their life. They lived in a culture, remember, a culture that was full of boasting and pride and preening and prancing around and self-promotion that really saturated all areas of life. And it was a culture where climbing the social ladder was critical. But when they heard the message of the cross, well, as we all know, the cross changes everything. No longer do we live for ourselves. No longer do we live by the wisdom of the world. But those of us who are followers of the way, who, who understand the meaning of the cross, the wisdom of the cross is critical. It's self-sacrificial love. The cross changes everything. God sent himself in the form of a man in Jesus. And he turned the world right side up because he humbled himself because of the love and, and, and he suffered the pain and the shame of being tortured on the cross. Why? To forgive us of our sins and to show us the wisdom of God, to show us the love of God. But many in Corinth struggled with renouncing those old ways. Habits sometimes die hard. This is the, the background of the church of Corinth. This is the reason we have this letter. So here we have Paul 
trying to give them a new purpose, a, a new reason for living, a new moral identity, a new theological identity, bringing together. The idea was that this should bring together rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. Paul is writing to address these issues to the Corinthian Christians who are running headlong into a corrupt culture. And I think it applies to us today as well. We're also trying to live in Christian community in the midst of or planted in, in alongside a corrupt culture. It's messy. It takes wisdom. It takes messy wisdom. From there, the confusion of wisdom, Paul launches into the next issue that the church is dealing with, messy conflicts in community. Paul is really chastising them for acting childish. They are demanding, like, like a, a spoiled child, their individual freedoms and demanding to be heard instead of humbling themselves before God. And, and the community is really suffering because of this. It is bringing about conflicts throughout the church. And now we were clear then, and I want to be clear now, that conflicts aren't bad in and of themselves. Conflicts is a, conflict is a part of life. But the way the church is dealing with these conflicts is not good. They're being petty and divisive. Do you remember how they were dividing the church over how they thought about their pastor? They were arguing over which, which pastor was the better preacher, which one was the best leader, and it was dividing the church. And that led us to the next messy issue that the church was wrestling with, messy relationships. And if you recall, we, look, we looked at the issue of sanctification. Now, sanctification is that process where we, are, where we are growing closer to Jesus. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what it means to be sanctified. But the church of Corinth was stuck in their process of sanctification. And they were allowing the wisdom of the world and the, the gossip of the world and the backbiting of the world and the morals of the world to rule the way they do community. And it showed. And in this section of Corinthians, we're, we are also dealing with sexual sin that the church is allowing to happen. They're even boasting about it, some in the church. They have somehow gotten in their head that because they were free in Jesus then they can do whatever they want to do. But that's not what freedom in Jesus means. Let me remind you, freedom in Jesus means that we are now free not to sin. Not free to do whatever we want. We don't boast in our freedom. We boast in Jesus Christ who has saved us from sin and death. And, and we confront those with love, but we confront those who in our community are boasting in their sin. That's the messy freedom that we talked about next. Because in Jesus, we aren't free to do whatever we want, but we're free not to sin. And that freedom should compel us in love to be more and more like Jesus, to be more sanctified. But again, many in the church had this backwards and they continued to live by the world standards of what greatness was. And they continued to jockey for position in the church, arguing over who was the greatest or who deserved more honor. And they are using their spiritual gifts not to bless the church, but to promote themselves. These were the messy gifts. And Paul uses a beautiful metaphor to show the church why they had been given these gifts. Paul talks about that the church is like a body. And a body is made up of many members. And each member has its own important role. And more honor is given to the weaker members and the stronger members don't need that honor, but should be humbled. And in this image, the body of Christ is how we should live life together and worship together. 
But worship in the Corinthian church had devolved into chaos and the spiritual gifts were being used for personal preferences and not to lift up the body. And Paul come down, comes down really hard on them for the way they are behaving. He uses all kinds of sarcasm and, and scolding and, and really treats them uh, like a parent scolding a child. And he reminds them in chapter 13 that the reason they have been given gifts is so they can use them in biblical love. And love isn't easy. It's messy. It's messy love, but it's good. And he demonstrates what love really is. He knows, Paul knows them, and he demonstrates what love really is. He shows them the proper definition of love. He shows them how love is patient, kind. It's not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is a beautiful picture of how we are to love as the body of Christ. That love is the ethic of the kingdom of God, a love, a sacrificial love properly defined. It is a messy love, but it is good. And now we're getting to the end of the letter and in chapter 15 is dealing with the final big issue that some of the church have gotten wrong, really incredibly wrong. If we get this right, if we understand this issue properly, then ultimately we will be raised beyond the mess. So let's return to the text. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 7 says, Now I remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received in which you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Hear me, church. This is the good news that we live together. That Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures. And that he died and was raised on the third day. Somebody out there ought to be saying amen. And in verse 12, we get to the heart of the mess. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. See, apparently some of the church are, are saying that Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead and that there isn't a resurrection. But let's continue to read 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 19. For if the dead were not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. This is the cornerstone of our faith, church, that Jesus has been raised from the dead and that we also will be raised someday in Jesus to eternal life. If we don't believe this, then our life and our faith is futile. For the resurrection changes everything. It is the wisdom of God. It is the 
foolishness of the world. And Paul states, if we only hope in this life, then all of us are to be pitied. But apparently many in the church of Corinth still had that pagan idea of death and resurrection. In the pagan world around, in the pagan world around them, after we die, our bodies are gone. And we'll only be some type of spirit, a disembodied spirit at best, like a ghost. Again, a ghost at best. There isn't really a resurrection in the pagan world. And many in the church don't see the resurrection from a biblical viewpoint, and they are teaching others the same. But Paul makes it very clear in his letter that not only was Jesus resurrected from the dead, but that we too will be resurrected as well. We won't just be spirits but we will be given a new body, a perfected body, a body free from disease and the ravages of sin, a a body that we'll recognize and that we will rejoice in. We will be raised beyond this mess. This is the hope that we have. This is the faith that we cling to. This is the faith that Paul wanted the church to have. This is the reason that we live. It is why we get up in the morning. It's the reason we do this messy life together. As we finish up this series, I want to invite you to listen to the final verses of chapter 15. I want to use Paul's words here and let them speak for themselves because I think they are so beautiful and glorious. They are so powerful. I invite you, if you'd like to close your eyes as I I read, or if you prefer, you can follow along in your own Bible. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 through 58. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike. But there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one thing and of the earth another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. Indeed, still stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is, it is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, being a living being, the last Adam becoming a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What am I saying, brothers and sisters? It's this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, 
but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable body must be put, must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Church, your labor in this life, your engagement in the messiness of the community of faith, your faithfulness before a fallen and corrupt culture is not in vain. My prayer is that gives you hope this day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless my brothers and sisters who've gathered here at our online campus to, to hear your word and to, to be challenged to live a life of faithfulness. I pray that you'd bless them where they are. I pray that they would take the truth they've been given and live it out in their lives. Walk with them as they walk to be a light in the community that they've been planted. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen and God bless you.